0: blog talk
1: radio hey there listeners welcome to access talk with trish a 30-minute weekly online radio segment dedicated to examining the good the bad and the reality of accessibility in our communities And I'm your host for the show, Trish Robichaud, disability awareness coach, author, facilitator, and motivational speaker. I am a woman with a disability, but I'm definitely not a disabled woman. The Access Talk with Trish radio show can be heard live on Wednesdays at 1130 a.m. Eastern at accesstalkwithtrish.com. Or you can listen to past show recordings on demand at any time at the same address or on iTunes if that's how you roll. This show is brought to you by Changing Paces, an accessibility consulting firm that simplifies disability legislation for organizations that think they don't have the time or money for compliance. Visit changingpaces.com and nurture a culture of inclusion where everyone matters. On that note, I'd like to introduce my guest for the show for this week. Shirley Edwards, an experienced caregiver, daughter, and mother, has crossed the countless boundaries and challenge the system with confidence and success. Her story is one of hope and belief, belief in her loved ones and belief in herself. Professionally, Shirley provides training in system navigation and care planning for caregivers and healthcare care providers. Shirley has an adult son with disabilities and hydrocephalus and is also responsible for her mother through the powers of attorney for property and personal care. Shirley developed Participating Families, a services information program in the disability field. She took on her mother's care while she started a business as a coach to help people with health challenges. She created a life care plan using a team approach for her mother's care, and then she created a workbook to guide others in creating care plans with and for their own loved ones. Shirley's a boater in Georgian Bay. Yay. Her boat is called Balancing Act. She's also a dog lover. Yay. Yay. (laughs) With the best dog on the planet. Okay. We'll debate that. A border collie Swiss mountain dog cross named Lucky. She has a husband with a very memorable name, Don Sherry. He claims to be the original, but he doesn't work in hockey. <laughs> Welcome, Shirley.
0: Thank you, Trish.
1: So let's start with you sharing with our listeners a bit about your caregiving background with your mom as well as your son, Jason.
0: Okay, well, um, I have an expression called blessings in disguise because I've been a caregiver for 32 years. So when I say 32 years, that means my son is 32 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all along, he's needed an awful lot of different, you know, coordination, care, some very serious health issues, um, multiple different types of what they call disabilities. And like you, Trish, I don't like the word disability. And um, anyway, so it's been quite a journey for me as a, as a mother. And then when my mother started to need help, I just knew what to do, of course. I'd also been in the field, as you, as you mentioned in my introduction, thank you, Trish, that I'd helped many other families as well navigate the system and deal with the very complicated issues that many of us face and the complicated system that we're trying to work with so having had all that background when my mom went oh no i went oh yes i can help and i carried on many years doing that i've helped her now for 17 years and so as you know with seniors they don't they tend to go uh slowly go downhill they don't get better and the chronic issues continue to pile up Mm -hmm. and um so during a real difficult time where it got a little bit over the top for me to have the flexibility. And then when you have to stop and you can't run your business, there's no backup plan. So I kind of hit a wall in 2011 with my mother, me being uh, going to another new level with a large episode and me having to take quite some time off my, my business. And that's when I went, I need a plan. I know I need a team. So I created a plan and a team around my mom and we discussed all the very I call them courageous conversations, the difficult conversations of what if, and the worst case scenario as well as the best case so that we would be prepared. Um, And uh, most people don't plan and they're just going to hit. But with this plan, as things again progressed, and things actually got worse in 2014 and 15 and 16 for my mother, although it was challenging, we had the plan. There was no, we've got to have the conversation. We'd already had it. And we knew exactly what to do, when, and where, and how. And that's when I realized that I have something I can help others with. And I wrote a guidebook to help others do the same for the aging parents.
1: And what a blessing that is. My goodness.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really, really helped. Um, you know, uh, very often uh, families hit that, that crisis moment. And know, mom and dad, they've got concerns about. And, you know, they're aging and they've got some issues. And all of a sudden, smack. They end up, one of them with a broken hip or in hospital or some, some sort of, you know, major episode health-wise. And everybody's running around scrambling, what do we do with mom and dad? And what about what mom and dad want <laughs> as well? So I'm hoping that this guidebook can really help people look at what they need to plan for so that when that happens, if and when, I hope it doesn't happen for, that, for many, but it does. They're ready with a plan and they're, uh, it eliminates family conflict. It reduces costs. It reduces stress and upset. After all, we're upset enough when our, our parents get sick.
1: My goodness, yes.
0: Mm, absolutely. And regardless of all my background, Trish, I just want to say to the listeners: every single episode hits me right between the eyes. I'm just as human as the next guy, but you know, I dust myself off pretty quick now, and I know what to do going <laughs> forward. With this. That that helps a lot.
1: For mm. sure, for sure, <laughs> that resiliency. Eh? Mm-hmm. It's amazing. How much of it we yeah. uh, we build? Yeah. We build.
0: Well, I'm coming up to it, with Trish, too, because I just again for the listeners, I know Trish, and because I've worked in the field, I've met some amazing people like Trish, who've mentored me and given me ideas too. I've had, learned a lot from the best of the best of them, right? And now I'm ready to share it with others.
1: Fabulous. So. I'm sure, along your journey, that you have had an an astounding number of barriers that you've encountered. So, from that perspective, can you share some of your experiences um, with accessibility in our communities during your journey of caregiving and advocacy?
0: Um, Trish, thanks for mentioning it through the accessibility lens, because accessibility isn't always just physical. So my son doesn't use a wheelchair, although accessibility needs to be accommodated for other issues like visual impairment and so on, right? So accessibility issues, yes, I've had many a nightmare conversation with trying to get school systems to accommodate him when he was in school because of all these visual needs. I find the system likes to deal with somebody who just doesn't have their legs that work, but everything else is no thanks, right? So I find the system very difficult on the soft stuff, right, Mm -hmm. to deal with, and also, you know, they uh, they like their their labels, and they like that you've got just this, and most of us don't have just this. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you really have to actually be a strong advocate and educate people, one, and give them the benefit of the doubt and become passionate And, you know, you get more with honey than you do with vinegar, right? So you try to – I always take the high road and say, excuse me, I haven't informed you well enough, and then I inform them. <laughs> 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 Rather than that you should already know this. <laughs> The other thing is, is, my son and I have certainly, over the years, certainly learned that there's the talking heads and the people who listen. And I'm just going to be plain with that. Some people are just doing a job so they can go home and cut their paycheck, and they have no interest in what they're really doing. And they're only telling you this is the policy, and they sound like a parrot. You want to give them a cracker. <laughs> mm-hmm. But others really listen. So one of the things that I've used over the years is I find my champions. If I'm getting nowhere and I'm batting my head against the wall with Mr. Policy, block, uh, squawk, squawk. I find somebody else to talk to that might actually hear the human side because every single incident and need is unique and the system is built for sameness yet we're all unique. So that's why you need to find that person that listens to your unique needs and can help you navigate and and, and accommodate your, your needs in a way that really works for you or your loved one. right? And sometimes that takes quite a bit and sometimes it takes some creativity. So as I talk about the system, like it's like the system, like it has everything, we all know that's not true. So sometimes you just can't get anywhere anyways. It just doesn't exist. And if it doesn't exist, it's time to step outside of the box and look through your friends and your community and what else you can do that's outside of the box. One of the best examples I have is a woman who was a wonderful mentor to uh, to me. Her name was Judith Snow. She's passed, but she had a lot of information up on the internet. And she created a circle of care around her that were not attendants, although she had quadriplegia. She was never disabled. She, but she was an artist. And the people that came together in her circle of care were artists, and we weren't there to care for her directly. We were there to brainstorm on how to make things happen where the system didn't exist to help us. So that's something else, too, that I would recommend is thinking outside of the box.
1: I love the fact that you're, you encourage people to even though they might have spoken to one of these talking heads at first contact with an organization mm-hmm. to not write off that organization but mm-hmm. to try and talk to somebody else who may have a different perspective.
0: Okay so thanks Trish that's a great uh, uh, thing to mention it's almost like reverse. Um, when we're working with the system uh, and we kind of got up against a wall. We mustn't assume that they're all the same any more than we're all the same. We're not. So there's people out there that care and jobs and people who don't get any field. And that's what you're looking for is that don't um, paint the system with one black brush. <laughs> okay. It's mm-hmm. frustrating as it may be sometimes.
1: I love how you characterize that, that we shouldn't, we shouldn't, write off organizations for their accessibility or non-accessibility based on our experience with one person from that organization. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably what most people do, Cheryl, unfortunately, Um, but I love your resiliency and that's what comes to mind for me when I hear how you work and how you roll is that you know, you don't stop. You don't see a stop sign. You only see no, where others no. stop sign. They see a go
0: home sign. Yeah. I'm very lucky. Like I said, I had lots of mentors. years ago, somebody said, when a door closes, you open a window.
1: Yeah, for right? sure. For sure.
0: And you can't give up on. I can't. How could I ever give up on my son? So you just keep going. And the other thing I want to emphasize is the other thing that it sound, I'm going to address it like it sounds like manipulation, but you get more with honey than you do with vinegar, right? Mm-hmm. So when you hold people up as being great before you've even made the request, <laughs> they kind of are chagrined into they have to do their best for you sometimes. But as I say, if, you get, if you're really great with people, then they step up sometimes. And you acknowledge them before they've even done a good deed and saying, that, oh, yes, I know you can help me. Thank you so much. And, oh, I really appreciate it. And, you know, especially when you get that person who's really listening, they' really acknowledge them. And then you've got somebody on side, you know, on side, right? So, Shirley, tell me, which systems?
1: there's multiple systems that you have approached and tackled barriers to which system presented the largest barriers and how did you get past them
0: okay so that's kind of hard because depending on the given year since I've done this for 32 years the school system was a real uh, challenge because I never wanted to acknowledge all the invisible disabilities that I was uh, was dealing with invisible stuff that people people don't want to deal with right Mm mm-hmm and then the healthcare system has been slowly being, being dismantled for the last 20 years right under our nose, things being, you know, cut back on and so on and so forth. So they're in terrible, um, you know, stretch of resources. And so you need to name it, uh, you know, if they're all, they're all um, hurting, right? And what we need to do is empower them and help them rather than complain because it's not going to make a difference if we complain, right? So one of the things that I can I can share with you um, is for example I've had a recent major advocacy issue ongoing uh, there's one particular issue with my son's housing and um, I finally you know for a fourth or fifth time hit the fan and so instead of looking at it like this now I've got my leverage to really you know file a complaint I use it to contact the city and say I've got something that can help us I've now got case that I can share with you that will not only help my son but others. I am here to make a difference and help and contribute not complain. It's a totally different context and all of a sudden now I've got, as I say, I used it to discipline that was not being addressed properly for quite some time. right? Mm.
1: So that, co- that comment, that approach um, completely uh, disarms uh, people mm-hmm. from being defensive. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. awesome.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, in the background, I again want to put in that I'm not this like pie in the sky person who can walk on water. I really check sometimes at the system. I do have my rants, but I don't dare rant at them. It will get me nowhere. Mm-hmm. So I call a friend up and I get it off my chest and I, you know, pound the air and all this sort of stuff. And then I suck it up, grow up, and get on with the
1: job. <laughs> right. you know,
0: but every time these things happen, I find it just as frustrating. And there's times when it's like, I want to mention something else, too, it's tiring sometimes because it's never ending, so to speak.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I bet. You know what we're going to do, Cheryl? We have to go to a commercial break. <clears throat> when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about mm-hmm. family care leader. And we'll be right back.
2: Devon has been with his company for over five years, since before his legs started giving him trouble. He loves his job, he's great at it, and he plans to stay with the company till retirement if possible. Problem is, it's getting difficult for him to walk from his desk to the washroom. His supervisor, Aisha, lets Devon know that she's noticed he's having some trouble. She suggests they move his desk closer to the entrance and the washroom. Devon is relieved and agrees. This is an example of a basic accommodation that helps make a workplace inclusive. Did you know that 50% of accommodations don't cost a dime and 80% cost $500 or less? The inclusion of people with disabilities in the workforce is the best answer to our current labor shortages. And making businesses accessible to customers with disabilities sees you tapping into their $32 billion spending power. Sound good? Then let a changing paces, warm and friendly expert take you by the hand and walk you through the steps to making your business accessible to everyone. Visit us at changingpaces.com today.
1: So we're back. Cheryl, I understand that professionally you are a family care leader. Would you share what you do for your clients with our listeners?
0: Okay, so what I'm doing is Um, It sounds like system navigation or better known as case management and even planning stuff. That is done out there by certain professionals if you pay them privately. I'm not actually doing that for others. I'm still doing that for my family (laughs) all the time. But what I want to do is um, share what I've learned with others so they can do it for themselves. And that could be the family care leader, which is the person who, and let me just point to something here on that one. That's not about just the health care. And it's not about just the, you know, the community care. It's about everything. I and mean, When somebody steps up in the family to support another person, it's about their social life. It's about cleaning the yard. It's about going shopping. It's about going to the doctors. It's all of it. And it's sort of like an orchestra. And somebody has to be the orchestra conductor. And one of the best things you can do as an orchestra doctor is not only have all the different pieces of the orchestra do their part, but they also have to communicate together to create the masterpiece. So that's a big job that nobody does, except for that family care leader that steps up into that role, okay? And I love helping them, not only with the role, but also with planning for the future so they're prepared and not blindsided by our episodic lives
1: in the best. A scenario you uh, prevent burnout.
0: Well, absolutely, absolutely, because I've hit burnout a couple of times and had to keep going anyways. So I found solutions that I now want to share with others. And the other piece of it is, and I just want to say, because it's a business of family care solutions, not too many families can pay me directly. And I can't do, I can't do this voluntarily because I haven't won the lottery yet, you know. Mm. So I then also target the front line of the healthcare field and the providing field to train them not to do that full family care leader role, but the fact that there is this big role called system navigation and planning. And when they're coming in on the ground floor into your homes and and helping, that's when families mention these things, and the front line people can then support them. And being able to take on such, as I say, a very unpredictable and complicated role.
1: I should say so exhausting as well. In terms of accessibility along the road, I'm guessing that accessibility for you most of the time is in those, uh, those soft skills areas. And those are, can be the most difficult barriers to bring down.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And what I can give you, is I want to be more specific. Here's a specific example. And it's, again, accessing the system for support services. My son has hydrocephalus and cerebral palsy. In his cerebral palsy, um, we're happy to say, it's fairly mild. He does not need attendant care, nor does he need wheelchair access. So anything to do with physical disabilities is not on the, on the plate. Being able to logistically plan and say how to take care of himself his hygiene. He can't cook, so on and so forth. So where is the gap here? Was well, there's nothing for, for people like hydrocephalus in this country. And um, so I then used the mantle of brain injury. And now here's a good example of our silly system. And I say silly system because they have silly rules. So they have it that people aren't brain injured until they're older than six years old. <laughs> Yet my son's original brain injury per se came at a hemorrhage at birth. So I was ineligible at first when he told me the criteria. And then I went, hang on a sec. He had he's had many surgeries since. One in particular one summer in particular where we had four back to backs and I know that it affected him further. He is brain injured. He got brain injured when he was twelve and some surgeries too. So now you have to let us in. And that's how I got him into housing. And you know right now there's a fifteen year waiting list. I've always done things way ahead of time so that the wait list wouldn't, you know. Uh, stop us because I've always had to be a planner. So I recommend planning. I recommend tweaking criteria.
1: <laughs> Fifteen-year waiting list for housing. Yeah. In Toronto.
0: It's terrible, and yeah, and it's not even good housing either. So you know, it's a it's a nightmare for I think families of adults with disabilities. Um, the group home system and all of that got dismantled back in the early 90s when they invented the community care access centers, with the false promise that the funding would follow into the community, which it did not. And the criteria for help in the community and living, living, uh, you know, in the community is almost non-existent for for everybody now, right? And uh, the developmental services, which my son is not eligible for because he has normal intelligence, although he has such difficult brain issues. Um, even that, uh, if he had been, would be another 10-year waiting list. Mm. So um, you've got to be really proactive and think ahead, really very good at communication skills and being able to empower people to help you. And then you also got to be creative. Not everybody has all these skills. That's where I feel badly for some people when they try to navigate the system and deal with all this. And that's why I want so much to get the training out there.
1: Wow. The, the barriers um, seem insurmountable at times, I'm sure. Um, can you summarize for, from your experience uh, a short list of barriers that others should watch out for?
0: Okay, so first of all, and as I'm saying, the biggest one from my, from my experience is eligibility, meeting their criteria so that they can serve you. Because all of the services out there have, um, I'm going to be very facetious and say a bean counter and some ivory tower somewhere that said maybe if they only have one foot instead of two, we can cut them off. You know, it's, there's, the criteria can be ridiculous. So you really got to check into the criteria well. And, and then tweak whatever your experience is to meet their criteria rather than expecting them to not be that way, right? Accept what's so, right? And then, um, so that's um, access. Um, the other th- thing is once you're in there, being properly accommodated, being really listened to, being individualized, and so on. And again, I take the high road and say, allow me to inform you. And also take the patient's road. Like, for example, right now, my son has some services where they continue to not fully understand his... How, it pres- how his brain injuries present. And I keep explaining one particular issue over and over again. And so I just do it patiently. And, you know, hopefully, as I say, within time, and it is working, the people that I'm training will get it. And then they'll probably leave and new people will come in and start all over again. <laughs> However, I'm constantly informing and training that for the accommodation part of that too, right?
1: So your advice, your advice to others, Um, would be to uh, patience and keep pushing. Mm. It's beginning with acceptance of the reality of the system.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And then working within it. Right. Or or finding ways to uh, create within the box, so to speak.
0: Exactly. Create within the box and, and outside of the box. And Trish, I just want to say one of my mantras now my my motto all the time is blessings in disguise. So when something happens, you know I get a hit a barrier or whatever it is, and it goes, oh no, I know that if I work it through, I'll find a solution and something new will be uh, come up I'll have learned something we'll, something better will come out of it anyways. and it sounds funny that way, but keep the faith and that's been my experience. keep going forward and and you know, Good things will come of it over time. You just can't give up.
1: I love that your approach expects the best from others. Yeah. And you act accordingly, and sometimes they do too.
0: hmm Actually, I've, I've had lots of great experience. You know, like I say, if you treat people well, they kind of have to treat you well back, back unless they're, you know, just not, not awake. <laughs> mm-hmm. Many people in what we call the system are frustrated as well. They're overworked, they're underpaid, they're run off their feet. I try to support them, and then they support me.
1: So tell me, Cheryl, what do you think, as a a summary here and a wrap-up, what do you think as a society we can keep in mind on a daily basis to minimize barriers to
0: accessibility? Okay, well, I'm going to finish with a point I haven't made yet. But we need to keep reminding people, we knew this back in the 80s and 90s, and we stopped talking about the value of contribution of people with differences. You know, when you bring people to the table that have unique differences, yet they're all in service of a certain purpose, it brings something new to the table and opens up creativity big time. And I say this generally, but there's study after study after study that supports this. And um, we need to remind people that we're not being accommodated like a favor to us. It's not a favor. Trish, you being in my life has not been a, I haven't been a favor to you for heaven's sakes. You've been a huge contribution to me. I mean, people like you. Uh, Judith Snow, wow, wow. I mean, really, I learned so much from her and she became such a lovely friend as well. So, you know, the contribution of people with differences, we need to remind people there's a, there's a value there. And I'm not talking very like accessibility and disability, but I'm talking about diversity in general too. And we need to, as I say, kindly remind people that we're not being given a favor, that we're actually being empowered to bring our contribution to the table. Wonderful. Wonderful.
1: Cheryl, if any of our listeners want to know more about you or want to contact you about your services, how can they do that?
0: Well, I have a website with my planning program on it, and it is uh, www.shirleyedwards.ca. And uh, my email is cheeky. It's familycareleader at gmail.com. I claim the right.
1: (laughs) Fabulous. Okay, great. Thanks so much, Shirley, for joining us today. And thank you to our listeners so much for joining us for today's episode of Access Talk with Trish, a 30-minute weekly radio segment dedicated to examining the good, the bad, and the reality of accessibility in our communities. Join us again next week on Wednesday at 11.30 a.m. We're here every week. This show is brought to you by Changing Paces, an accessibility consulting firm that simplifies disability legislation for organizations that think they don't have the time or money for compliance. Visit Changing Paces and nurture a culture of inclusion where everyone matters. Till next time, take self-care seriously and God bless.